I had ended up going to this mountain bike summer camp called SMBA, Single Track Mountain Bike Adventures. And there's just a crew of kids my age and older that were all super into biking. And the program director, Matt Tomasco, told my mom that we need to take this kid to a bike race. We need to do it. And she just was at first not into it at all. She's like, this sport's expensive. This is stupid. It's dangerous. Like, I had this vision of my son being like a piano player or something. Yeah, your mom <laughs> figured you were going to be a piano player. Well, I think she realized pretty quickly <laughs> that wasn't working. <laughs> Can racing World Cup downhill in your teens shape your desire to inspire the world on even bigger stages in your 20s? And is there such a thing as type 4 fun? Hey, I'm Marty Schaefer, and this is Talk Yeti to Me by Eddie Cycles. On today's episode, I interview filmmaker and adventure alchemist, Joey Schusler. So much more than the bro bra you might expect. Joey's not just all in, he's so all in. Have a look at his Vimeo page. The guy's done a lot. His films have taken top prizes at the coveted Five Point Film Festival and actually been featured by National Geographic. Lately, Joey's been honing both his film craft and his bikepacking craft to more and more dialed dimensions. He basically makes an art out of seamlessly transitioning through his own passions. And in doing so, he organically influences others to fall madly in love with the sport he's committed to at its very core. Joey's not just a filmmaker, he's an adventure maker. And I'm beyond stoked for you to have a listen. So let's dive into it. For 13, 14 years old, you're like convinced that this is like you're going to become a pro. Who did you look up to at that time? Oh, yeah. I mean, 13, 14, 15, only goal was to be the best downhill racer in the world. It was like totally, totally obsessed. And Steve Pete was like a god. I mean, I had like Dirt Magazine posters and cutouts like all over the wall. Would just like read those things like they were the Bible, watch the Earth series films. Like you have no idea how many times. And kind of just like taught a lot of skills through watching those DVDs, VHSs and stuff back in the day. Just to take a quick takeaway from from racing, but what was your favorite film around that time? I mean, I think Earth One is still the classic film. I mean, I just have that intro sequence burned into my head. I would say Steve Pete was definitely my first real hero in mountain biking and just totally worshipped that guy. And then later, obviously, you know, started idolizing many, many others like Minar and Jared and I actually remember seeing Jared for the first time, I think in like 2004 at Angel Fire. And he's on like the old Yeti DH9. And that was like my first real impression of the Yeti team. And so at, around that time, you were transitioning from, you know, the Colorado series. And it looked like you were, it was at the same time that you were getting on the World Cup circuit. What did that look like? I joined Yeti when I was 17 in 2008. I guess the year before 2007, I went to the Junior World Championships downhill in Fort William. So that was like my first international racing experience. And that was the year that J.D. Swangen got second for the U.S. Rory Cunningham won. Josh Bryson got a flat. We were racing with Stevie Smith, who's like the same age as all those guys. So that was kind of my first international experience was that race. And kind of got my ass handed to me. <laughs> I mean, I just had never seen a track with that kind of speed and intensity and roughness. And it was wet and it was sloppy. It was like totally, totally different than, you know, our dusty, short Colorado tracks here. 
then I guess the next year, 2008, was my second year as a junior, and the world championships were in Val de Sol, and that was the first time they ever raced that track. Did pretty decent that year and was on a 303. Yeah, that was kind of like my first real time traveling with the Yeti team. Did a few of the World Cups in Europe that year. I think like Andorra, Fort William again. Just a couple more kind of traveling, you know, with the regional Yeti team and some other friends from Colorado. I'm just picturing you traveling the world being uh, just wrapping up high school. You know, who did you transition and looking up to or who was your teammates uh, over that time? I mean, so that was really where the mentorship within the Yeti program started. Getting to spend time riding with guys like Sam Blinkensop, and that was like the year he won Schladming, getting to know Jared, you know, getting to kind of start riding with all these guys. Justin Leov. I mean, the team was stacked then and getting to do team camps with those guys and kind of getting like a hands-on experience with true professionals at that age was totally invaluable. Did you eventually get a flow? Like I, I can't imagine Fort William and then now you're starting to hit these legit races. You've got this incredible team. Um, did you start getting a flow with uh, with nerves and, and speed? I was kind of like having a hard time that year in 2008, like not doing super great, but first experience, first go at some of these events. And then I remember leaving Mount St. Anne and coming back to Colorado, driving across the country with my dad. And it was state championships in Colorado. And it was like, that was the weekend that everything clicked. Like nerves were subsided, like just felt like I was going faster than ever and felt like I was on a tear. And then kind of just started like bringing it back to the more local and national level races and started like winning and podiuming and just doing better than I'd ever done before. So I think it was like that exposure on the World Cup scene, getting a bit worked and then coming back to kind of like some of the local tracks. And that's kind of when the switch flipped. Out of all these races, what would you say are you the most proud of? Race result wise or anything like that? What, what are you the most stoked on? Getting a top 10 in front of the home crowd in Colorado at Winter Park at an EWS was unreal. I think we got sixth place in 2013. I'm at the EWS and like beat Nico Vuyo in a couple stages, got second in a couple stages, and it was just totally unreal. That was just like taking all this stuff that I learned in downhill, switching to enduro, which I felt like this is this format that I, A, enjoyed way more riding all weekend and having a little bit more of an unknown and an, an adventure factor to it. And absolutely love, like the most I ever loved racing was th those few years that I was racing enduro. Joey, how do you think you would do now? If you would enter an EWS this year, um, are you going to crush it? Well, I wouldn't dare enter without... <laughs> getting up to speed and going out with Sean near for a couple months and making sure I can hang. I mean, I think I would just have to spend the time. I don't think I'd go straight off the couch into one. I just don't have that desire. Well, actually, I want to talk about that. So have you always had this adventure spirit? Like when you're racing the World Cup, were you, um, were you taking laps off the race course with your homies? Or was it very like, were you within the tape, very strict, and then eventually got into enduro and you're like, this is more of the adventure. This is more I'm into. Like, where did the, uh, the click happen where you gain the identity more as the adventure seeker? Definitely as a kid, I was always like very adventurous, like grew up in a little cabin up in the mountains, like totally off the grid. So kind of just was like exposed to the, the mountain life from a from an early age and would always build my own jumps and my own trails and go off and explore for hours and hours on end as a kid and then I think as racing came on like things just got so serious that that kind of part of me got put away 
I mean, I used to love skiing. And then when I was bike racing, it was like, well, I can't get hurt skiing. I'm just like so focused on racing. Like this is the only thing that matters. And then I think when I kind of eased up on racing a bit, I realized that I can kind of incorporate all these things back into my life. And first real big adventure we did, it was like 24 in 2014 and a whole new world had opened. And I had always like wanted to try bikepacking and go on these bigger adventures and had never really done it. You know, my best friend and fellow Yeti ambassador, Sam Seward, had done a Knowles course in India where they hiked through the Himalaya and were out there for a couple months. And he learned a ton of backcountry knowledge through that. And the two of us always together scheming up ideas decided 2014, January was time for our first big bikepacking adventure. And basically drained my bank accounts on camera gear and plane tickets for us. And alongside Thomas Woodson, the three of us went down there to make our first bikepacking film and go on our first big bikepacking adventure. Looking back on it, that moment was so all in. Literally drained our bank accounts, had no financial support whatsoever to make that film other than Chris Conroy from Yeti letting us take some old 575 demo bikes and sell two of them beat beat old demo 575s and sell those too. So that was the that was our financial support for making that film. And we made the film. We premiered it at the Five Point Film Festival that April in 2014 and it just opened up this whole new world of not just the mountain biking world but the outdoor industry as a whole. This film festival just opened my mind to all these different films and all these adventures that people were doing and all these people in this industry and space. And that's kind of where I feel like I started this like joint path of like existing in the bike industry, but also existing in like the outdoor industry and representing mountain biking from an adventure standpoint in the outdoor space as a whole. And at that time, the whole industry was was hungry for this sort of uh, adventure on film. Is that right? For sure. And I had always been very interested in the filmmaking and photography side of things, having worked with Craig Grant and John Reynolds and Clay Porter a bit. Yeti's always had these in-house filmmakers and getting to learn from them over the years I was racing was invaluable. It was like kind of a back burner thing. I was always learning little bits about cameras here and there through those guys. And yeah, it kind of all came together. Everything I'd learned from them, I put to the test on that film we made down in Peru, Wash, and got a Vimeo staff pick and like all these things kind of started spiraling, you know, ended up being in like 30 or 40 film festivals. And the amount of people and contacts I met through that has kind of shaped everything since then. It was like the first time that people were starting to make films outside of racing. I think when I realized that I was actually getting legit financial support from all my sponsors for these projects, whereas racing, it was more like, we'll get you to the races, we'll make it happen. I saw a career path where I could actually make money riding my bike and support myself that way. And it was just a whole lot more fun to get out there and experience the big mountains and do it with friends and share those stories. I'm thinking through this. How would you compare or contrast that feeling of fulfillment, doing well at a race, or the sense of accomplishment compared to putting together that first film or a film that works um, that just like, you know, everyone loves? I, I felt that it was just a lot more rewarding for me because it felt like something that was more enjoyable to share. Like a race results, like really great for you and great for your team and those that you represent. But I feel like a, like an adventure film is like, it's just more rewarding to share with the world and, you know, getting these messages 
countless messages from people saying that it inspired them to go to a bike trip, you know, whether it's a big gnarly adventure in Peru or just something in their own backyard, you know, I think that was totally eye opening for me. And later filmmaking evolved to being able to share stories like RJ Ripper. That is way, way, way more fulfilling for me to make projects like that than, than racing ever was. So I've definitely found a lot more depth in what I'm doing, I think, than just racing, which is great, but I feel like I can give more to the world through filmmaking than I can through racing. I love that. But it, in a lot of ways, it's so much harder. Uh, racing is it's simple measures of success. It is how fast you get through the course. But now transitioning into filmmaking, there's not those set guidelines. It's easy just to say, like, all you have to do is train to go fast. But Joey, now you have to come up with unique content, but you have to be the one at the front lines of creating something new. And what's that like? Do you have endless story ideas? Are you running out of things? Are you, and how are you adapting? I mean, there's only so many stories like RJ's out there. So you're not going to come across a story like that every year on the dot. But when you do, you know, I think it's important to just fully invest yourself and go for it. With filmmaking, there is no like race schedule, race calendar, all these things. It's very like ebb and flow, high highs, low lows. And I think once you get used to that, it just you kind of ride those waves. Yeah, I mean, the landscape's definitely changing a ton. I mean, people want all these like short, quick, analytically driven films that go viral, that sort of thing. And I've always kind of erred on the side of, making something that stands the test of time that you could watch five years from now and is still a solid film. That's kind of the the space that I continue to focus on. Definitely a big part of my work is the, the shorter, more commercial side of things, but the pieces that I'm really proud of and that really drive me are the longer kind of documentary style films. And they might not get as many views and they might analytically not stand up the same way, but you know, when you put your heart and soul into something like that and you know, make the best film you can. I think that's all you can do. Well, what what is uh, what would you sum up as one of the ones you're most proud of? What, what film are you most stoked on that you've created? I think they're all so different and so unique in their own right that I'm proud of them for different reasons. But definitely very proud of our first ever bikepacking film, Why Wash, just hearkening back to the like full send mentality we had of putting it together and, you know, how hard we work to make that happen. So that one's definitely special. But in terms of like overall reward, I think RJ Ripper's definitely been my favorite film. And through the film, we were able to raise like $20,000 for RJ's race fund and, you know, really change his setup and his life and get his story out there. And, you know, that's one thing that I always saw racing that was like pretty troubling is how hard it is for people from places outside of the US and even Europe to get proper support within the industry. In Fort William in 2008, Marcelo Gutierrez was racing there and he was so, so, so fast, but wasn't getting any sort of sponsorship or support, you know, being from Colombia and not really speaking English that well at the time. It took him a lot more perseverance and time to to break through that, you know, I mean, now he's fully sponsored and has been a top World Cup racer and sponsored by Red Bull and stuff, but it took him a lot more to break through that, so just cool to see mountain biking become becoming more of a global sport in that aspect people from from all walks of life and all places in the world getting support through the industry is really cool to see as i guess the landscape changing how how do you continue to innovate or reinvent to create something new 
I mean, I think you'll see a lot of people getting into creating a film photo content themselves. So in that way, the landscape has gotten more crowded, I guess. I think I'm just leaning even further into what I like most, which is like these like months long projects that are full on that stand the test of time that are like pulling out every single stop I can on ter- in terms of production and production value. You know, that's kind of like the realm within it all that I want to live in. So it's like just creating the most quality content. I mean, I can't even imagine some of the scenarios that you've been in. Um, Let's talk a little bit about how, you know, when things don't necessarily go to plan. So you've been planning, you've you know, got all this experience putting something together in far off land. What, what do you say is one of the gnarliest adventures you've been on? I think the, the trip that we did in uh, China, in the Himalaya, on the eastern edge of the Himalaya, um, in this like Tibetan enclave, the Garze Autonomous Prefecture in Sichuan was the gnarliest adventure we've ever been on for sure a 10-day loop circumnavigating these 22,000-foot peaks high, high in the Himalaya. So we're between like 15 and 17,000 feet for the whole time. And the weather was just relentless, just absolutely soaked to the bone for 10 days. Climbing into the tent, shoes wet, so wet you just leave them out in the rain all night, put them on in the morning again wet, like that kind of thing. (laughs) Like your sleeping bag is not dry. It's just like how wet is it on like a scale of one to ten. And if you're under like a five, you're like kind of good. It's just like an altered state of living where like everything is just difficult. There's not the little comforts. But looking back on it, it's like pretty special time too. Not sustainable for the long term, but cool to have experienced for sure. (laughs) What I can't imagine is like, you know, I can understand suffering. I can understand just like putting my head down, living miserably. But then you have always had the camera gear (laughs) to worry about. And that to me is quite intimidating. Do you think you are getting pretty good at keeping camera gear in check? Or have you had a few incidents? I wouldn't say I'm good at keeping it in check. I definitely view camera gear as a tool and not like some pristine piece of gear that you got to keep all spiffed up. So. Definitely crashed my share of gear for sure. On that same trip in China, we soaked one of the cameras so bad and one of the memory cards totally short-circuited, got fried, and it had like half the footage of the trip on it. (sighs) And I still lose sleep over that card. There's some beautiful images and so much of the film still on that, that card that got lost. I mean, I sent it to every expert in the country to try to to get the data off and nothing. So that still keeps me up at night years later. But it's just one of the things I've had to learn to let go with. But yeah, I mean, that's what bugs me is losing footage, losing gears, whatever. For the more commercial side of filmmaking with the cable cam system that we've been setting up, I mean, I think that's one of the coolest things you can do to show mountain biking. It's like really gives you the feeling and sense of speed in these shots that are, you know, 30, 40 seconds long. You can set up a thousand foot line and have the camera flying inches off the ground, inches next to trees, right next to the rider and get these wild, wild shots. So that's been one tool I've been really excited about lately and one that we have crashed a couple times. (laughs) 
<laughs> I can imagine. Let's talk about nerves. I'm I'm just picturing you at the top of Fort William about to drop in and then comparing that to some film projects. Now, have you have you felt that that level of intimidation or nerves like you had the start line? Um, or is it more intense putting together a trip to something like China or being lost in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> far away from hospital? I don't think anything can can match the boiled down intensity of race nerves before a four minute downhill run but with a film project it's just kind of like a little drumming beat in the back of your mind for months and months and then you finally get to share it with the world and it's a release and then it's it's just kind of the same thing but drawn out over the course of months instead of minutes you definitely don't feel the same intensity but the nerves are definitely still there also key to to doing your best i think to have nerves you have to care and to make something awesome you have to care well, it's like, it's kind of cool following the timeline from racing. You've learned a lot from that, the preparation to become a high-end athlete. And now, you know, from your first film trip to China, to going to Nepal, um, you know, what are the sort of things you've learned in terms of prepping for new trips? The thing with bikepacking is you're always dialing things in. And it's really satisfying to get the kit dialed in. I mean, it's kind of like when you're racing and you're dialing in your suspension and your bike's starting to feel really good and really fast. It's the same with bikepacking, but it's like your overall kit and gear and like how you can travel smoothly and efficiently through the mountains. Even just this past month, I've been spending time to dial in like the camping cook setup and it's like half the weight it once was and that first trip to Peru, we're bringing like blocks of cheese and like all this like ridiculous stuff. And now like if we're going to go do that trip, we'd probably have half the weight. And that's one thing that bike packing, it's like if you can turn it into shred packing, you're stoked. Those bikes do ride differently when they're weighted down, but you can absolutely still shred. And it's fun to line up trips where, you know, you drop the gear and you're parked somewhere in the amazing Alpine for a couple days and you know, you're riding without bags, kind of doing little day trips like you would do a ski trip. So it's kind of just like imagining what's possible like that is is really fun. I want to touch on a little bit. You guys talk a lot about, I've heard you and your crew talk about the different levels of fun. I've always joked about it too, but I mean, I'd love to hear Joey in your words. So there's the level fun. There's everyone's quite familiar with the type type one fun. So start us off with what the definition of type one fun is, and then you take that scale as as high as you want to take it. So what in your mind is type one fun? <laughs> oh man, I haven't thought about this in a little while. It's been a lot of type one fun lately, or type none fun. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> type one fun is like you ask ten out of ten people, they all agree it's fun. You're at the bike park with the crew. You do six laps, have a great time, beers and pizza after, nothing's wrong in the world. That's type one fun. <laughs> it's sunny out. Yeah. <laughs> you're with your mates. It's the summer. Wind's in your hair. Type two fun is not necessarily that much fun while you're doing it. You're like sweating out your jersey. There's sweat stains dripping off your brim of your head. You're tired as can be, but you've got a 3,000-foot descent ahead of you. You're not really having fun at that moment, but when you go to bed that night, you're like, that was an awesome day. Yeah, <laughs> Memories were created. Fun was had. Suffering was had. Good day overall. Type 3 fun is not really fun when you're doing it. Even after the fact, you're questioning whether it was a good idea. 
a week later, you're still questioning whether it was a good idea. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't a good idea. <laughs> but some of us are prone to repeat type three adventures. <laughs> it's always kind of like riding that line between type one, two, and three, and you never really know what you're going to get. And just to be totally clear, you haven't uh, taken that scale to four yet. Is that right? I think sometimes you find type four fun, but it's like that innate human ability to just forget. So, yeah, we probably found it and yeah. then just kind of swept it under the rug. <laughs> we don't talk about that, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. This is a PG podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so how many of your films do you think you're in the type three uh, demographic? I mean, I think anytime you add a film camera to your backpack, it's adding at least a half a fun type. <laughs> there's weight, hey? <laughs> there's definitely, there's multiple types of weight. I would say they've, any good film trip has been a, a good mix of, of type two and type three with a day, at least a solid day of type four. Is there a trip or an occasion that you would just, or sorry, a location? that you would just not go back to again that stands out? I mean, I'm very happy we did that China trip, but I probably wouldn't jump to go back there. I mean, the trails were just disgustingly gnarly and we're riding them loaded out in these pouring rainstorms. And like looking back on it, like our level of risk was like way too high. Like Sam Seward and I just absolutely bombing down these gnarly, gnarly descents. And not even like flow, like fun gnar, just like chunky gnar gnar. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, in the rain. Yeah, I, I can't say I would go back there, but like just getting to see that place and like the sections of the trail that were really good made it worth it. But definitely like some days that just like days just burned that were like not good days. You got to you got to pay the price to play. Well, also, I mean, as a as a viewer, it's like the biggest drama is the stuff that uh, uh, it's the most entertaining to watch, isn't it? For sure. For sure. And some scary moments in that Peru trip, like getting a concussion up at 16,000 feet and feeling all wonky and then getting some guns pulled on us. That was a classic. <laughs> that doesn't stand out as normal. <laughs> it's a uh, full surreality. Well, I mean, Joey, what do you think is going to be next here? I mean, that's the beautiful thing about bikepacking and bike adventures is like you can just go from your back door and see what you get. I'm hoping that the the Colorado trails will go this summer. We got a little crew lined up to go pedal 500 miles. It's going to be a blast. So I think that's the first big, big one on the docket and can ride that right out the back door, which is pretty, pretty lucky, pretty special. One of the longer segments of single track linked together in the country like that if not the longest yeah that's one that's definitely on the mind we did that back in 2014 i think that was a real real special trip so looking forward to that just like the grand colorado tour and uh here soon you know just some some overnight bike packing missions just one two nights out here in the backyard as the snow starts to subside that's good enough for me for now it would be great to to travel again and do something wild, but I enjoy the backyard adventures just as much. Do you have another sport that you're, uh, you're ready to, to tell the world that's going to be next? I think tribe gathering on its own right is a sport. Like yeah, totally. <laughs> you're either cut out for it or you're not. 
That was eye-opening to me. My first tribe gathering being this year. The mini bike toss, the bike limbo. And you train, you're, you're like, you're training for that now. Oh yeah. I mean, if you want to beat Hoog in, in all the, uh, in the bike toss, you gotta, you gotta start training now. <laughs> I was, uh, I was practicing some bunny hop suicide no handers in the, in the lawn yesterday. It's a good time. Well, what about um, the next adventure being Rampage? You, you've done some film in that neighborhood. Joey, would you would you take one of those lines with the new 165? If I was like hanging out with Richie and Sean and we we're all just dicking around, I'm sure we'd we'd build up and get the crew going and, and hit some stuff. But having not actually properly been to the Rampage event, there's there's no no way I could say I would <laughs> would ride one of those. There's definitely some features I would hit and it would be good time. Competing in an event like that though, like that sounds Way too much. Mad respect to those guys. Uh, well, Joey, I'm excited to see what adventures you've got going on. Please keep your Instagram rocking. It's definitely, you know, just the, the approachable adventure uh, inspiration to me has been awesome. But until now, what, uh, what advice would you give people as they're waiting to get out on rides? Uh, would it be something like that? Adventures in your own backyard? Yeah, I find that planning trips, even if you don't go on them, helps me like subside the boredom. I mean, I planned a couple like desert trips, even packed for them, didn't go on them, but it was like kind of therapeutic in a way. I, I would just plan a couple, yeah, a one or two night overnighter bike packing, even if it's your first time, this is the summer. Get out there and do it. You know, bike packing is a really cool way to experience biking. You get a shred and ride and get all these things that we love about normal rides, but you also get to connect with nature in the wild a bit more and I think there's a bike packing trip out there for everyone that loves mountain bikes. Well, Joey, this is awesome. I'm stoked to connect again here uh, soon. But for now, I appreciate that the world of technology <laughs> has brought us together. Any closing remarks? Just really hopefully looking forward to connecting with some of the tribe this summer and getting out there and riding with our friends and uh, sandbagging some, some people on some sweet adventures. It's almost like Joey was literally born to move, then somehow alchemized that ability into moving others. Making ever bigger contributions to the world of mountain biking through his genre-busted films and vitality of soul. He goes as deep as you possibly can go, and not for insta-likes or industry press, but because it's who he is, lunatic fringe adventurer. I'm really glad he was able to share, and I look forward to seeing what he's up to next. I'm Marty Schaefer, and this has been Talk Yeti to Me by Yeti Cycles. And until next time, keep her pinned. 